Last week, we had heard the beginning of a, actually kind of the middle of a conversation as Jesus was talking with his disciples, and he was talking about being the true vine and how they were the branches grafted into that true vine and how those branches being grafted into that vine would have the Lord abiding with them in everything that they do, that they would then garner fruit and fruit that would last because Jesus was in the middle of it. Well, we pick up in that conversation today as we enter into John's Gospel in the 15th chapter. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love has no one to this than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command. Now, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I have commanded you, so that you will love one another. This is our reading. And normally during this time, we would have a children's sermon and a kids' sermon, but I know you probably don't want to come up here by yourself, so you're more than welcome to stay right where you're at. I'm not going to single you out and bring you up. Um, So we will skip over that tonight. We will just jump straight into the sermon. Would you please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you uh, for the love that you have shown us in Jesus. We're sorry for the things that uh, really separate us from you. We thank you for your forgiveness. We pray during this time that you would guide us by your spirit, that you would open our hearts and minds to hear your word as your word continues to abide, as Christ continues to live, and as you continue to be present with us in all the ways that you promise, by your spirit, through your word, and through your gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I have a question for you. I know I don't ask a lot of questions of you during the sermon, but I have a question for you, and uh, you just have to fill in the end of the question. It's actually not a question, it's a statement. So I'm going to say a phrase, and then I want you to just say out whatever you think would complete that phrase. You ready? Here we go. It's just one of them. We're not going to do a lot of them. Jesus is my Savior, Lord, Savior, Savior. All right. Yeah, that's kind of what we normally think of. That's our our go-to when we think of Jesus, right? We think Lord and Savior. It's absolutely true. No doubt about that whatsoever. He is the one and only Lord and Savior that is true. He's the only one that could save us from our sins. He's the only Savior of creation. He's the only one that has died and risen again from the dead to bring redemption and to give you his righteousness and take your sins upon his shoulders. So absolutely, he is Lord. He is Savior. So let's think through that for just a second. If we think of someone being a Lord over us, we hear that phrasing, right? Lord over us. Somebody in a higher position than ourselves. Somebody where we are in a lower position than. 
and somebody whom we would serve, right? If you rent a place, oh, I got another phrase for you, another question. If you rent a place, you rent from a landlord, all right? You don't have control over the space, they do. You don't have say of what color you get to paint inside, they do. You don't have say over what flowers you get to plant, they do. They're the landlord. All right, well, you have a soul lord, right, in Jesus. He is the lord of your life into eternity. That's pretty huge. So we tend to think of ourselves as servants of that lord. Great. And that's well and good. But remember that our servanthood does not gain us access to that lord. Remember way back in Exodus when Jesus, well, when God was speaking, um, often, never mind, that gets confused. That's for the Bible study time, a little bit later. So when God was speaking to Moses and the Israelites, as he had brought them out of slavery in Egypt, he had brought them to Mount Sinai, he had made a promise to them, he had brought them out through the Red Sea. The Egyptians had died in the Red Sea as they tried to follow them in, and they got stuck in the muck, and then all the waters rushed in on top of them, but God's people made it through on dry ground. They were redeemed from slavery. They were bought back from Egypt, and God had freed them from everything. And then he gets them to Mount Sinai, and he tells them that they're going to be his people. Now, he gives them the Ten Commandments, right? But it didn't start there. He didn't say, here are my commandments that you must do in order to be my people. Here's what you have to do to earn your spot in my presence. That's not how the conversation started at all. He said, I am the Lord your God who has redeemed you out of slavery in Egypt. I am the Lord your God that has kept you alive. I am the Lord your God that has chosen you. I am the one that has shown you love and started the relationship. You are my people because I have chosen you. Now, here's what that's going to look like. See, we don't work in our servanthood to gain access to our Lord. He's chosen us. He even said so with the disciples, right? You didn't choose me. I chose you. All right. So, Lord, the disciples were pretty much thinking along the same lines. As the disciples stood there before their rabbi, their teacher, he had chosen them out of all of the walks of life that they were in and then said, come, follow me, learn from me. And then they came to learn that he was the Messiah, the one who was supposed to bring Israel back up into the good graces amongst all of the nations and in their high prime spot again to where there would be peace and longevity of life and there would be no struggles or strife or anything going on. And that's how they understood the Messiah to come into things, a political leader that would lead things. And they wanted to be in the courts of that leader. You hear James and John ask the question, right? Hey, when you come into your kingdom, can we sit on your right and your left? Can we be there as your advisors? Can we be there as the ones that would give counsel and hear your plans? But they were thinking of their place beneath the first teacher and then Messiah. So their thought is along the same lines as how we generally think of our position. Now, the downside to that is we can get caught up in a couple of things. We can either think that we have to work harder in order for God to love us more. That's one vein. Or if I'm not doing enough, maybe I'm not a Christian. That's another line of thought that can get us in trouble. See, because we're not going to do things perfectly at all. 
Jesus takes it a little step further in the reading tonight. Now, this is the night before the crucifixion. This is just after they have celebrated that last supper, that Passover meal where he bent down in front of his disciples and took the place of a servant and washed their feet and cared for them and showed them the love that a host or a teacher or somebody in a position higher than them would never do. But he took that lowly position to kneel before them and wash their feet. And then as he continues to talk to them, he says, look, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. Now, that's a hard one for us to wrap our heads around more often than not because we think it's a little trite. Jesus is my friend. Well, maybe some of our friendships, if we were to think of a friendship with our Lord and Savior mimicking that, we might think that that's just a little trite or shallow. We use friend pretty loosely. And it's hard for us to think of the Lord and Savior, the Son of God who was there at creation in that position of a friend. But see, he calls himself that. And he says, I am your friend. The reason that he calls himself friend to the disciples is because he's not hiding anything from them anymore. He lets them know and he says, I call you friend because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But I have let you know everything. I've revealed everything that you need to know. From the Father. You want to know what the Father's love looks like? You're going to see it in less than 24 hours as I hang upon the cross for you. You saw it as I took care of you and washed your feet. You saw it as I rose people back from the dead and healed diseases. And then also as I have cared for you and led you and forgiven you of your sins, you have seen the love of the Father. So Jesus calls them friends because he's revealing everything. And not just a friend that you would go and have a fun time with, even though I'm sure Jesus would be a blast to hang out with. He's also that friend that's going to hold you accountable. He's going to speak a tough word into your life every now and then when you need to hear it. If you start to go off the path, he's going to say, hey, that doesn't look like what it looks like to be a child of God. It doesn't look what it looks like as I shape your life with my word. I need to speak a word into your life to bring you back into this friendship. He's also that friend that's going to have a beautiful word of forgiveness and walk with you through thick and thin, through all of the hardships of life. Because he's that voice that really is the only one that can bring joy. And you heard his words in the reading. My joy is complete, and I'm telling you that I'm your friend because that completes my joy, knowing that I have shared everything from the Father with you so that my joy would be complete and that your joy would be full, full up to the fullest, not in the position of a servant wondering in doubt on what your relationship looks like with God, not by any means, because if it's left to your own vices and left to your own works and left to what you think needs to be done in order to earn God's graces, you will always be in doubt on whether or not God, God loves you. You don't have to doubt because God has shared his love for you in Christ. He has shown you what love looks like. He has shown you the depths of love as Jesus laid down his life for his friends and picked it back up again to give you his righteousness, to give you his joy, to give you the certainty and assuredness and promise of life into eternity. As he said, I am your friend, not just now, but into eternity. Through all the trials of life, 
I'll be with you so that your joy would be full. Full up to the fullest amount of joy. With a friend. That word friend in Scripture is so beautiful. It's root in the language of Greek. It's philo. You've heard of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's a similar root. Philos, a friend, a brother, a beloved, one who's cared for. That's the word that he uses. That kind of friendship, that depth of a relationship where he has chosen you. He has called you out. He has given his spirit to you. He has baptized you in his name. And then he has died for you and risen for you so that you would have a friend into eternity that guides you and leads you and carries you through the hard things and laughs with you through the joyful things. That's the joy that Jesus brings. That's the joy that's yours. That's the joy that is promised from the Father and shown to you in Christ. And that joy is yours. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy that you give us in knowing that your Son lives for our forgiveness and that he has given us his righteousness so that we would be counted as your family into eternity. As Jesus goes on to call us brothers and then children of yours, we pray, Lord, that you give us the confidence to know that through all the things that go on in life, your love for us never ends. We pray, Lord, that you guard us and keep us in that love and in your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to rise as you're able as we sing.